Welcome to The Home Building Hero, where we help you become the hero of your new home by providing you all the information that you need. No matter if you're an industry pro, you're building, or you're buying, we got you covered here at The Home Building Hero. We're coming to you live today from the LP Studios here in Wisconsin. I'm your host, David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes. Thank you for tuning in today. Today's topic, the rise in multi-generational housing. Is it becoming a normal? All right, multi-generational housing is something that's always been kind of on the back burner, I guess, for many years with housing, and it never was really a focus of housing design. Typically, if most people wanted a multi-generational house, it turned into kind of a custom project. But that's not really the case anymore because we've seen a huge rise in the need for it. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the reasons why multi-generational housing is rising. We're going to also talk about some of the things that are incorporated into a multi-generational house and the type of people that would buy it. That way you guys know everything you can about it because it is a growing factor in our industry and we're going to see more and more of it in the coming years. And the reason even that I'm talking about this today is kind of as I thought about the the next couple builds that I have, we just started a home that's a multi-generational home. Uh, we have um, the main uh, parents, uh, you know, buying the overall house, putting it in their name, but their their parents are living in a completely separate suite in the basement. And then their older son, who has graduated college, is living upstairs on his own. So you have three full generations living in this home. And we're designing another home um, for a, a gal that uh, is widowed, but uh, lives with her older son who has some health issues. And that's also a multi-generational home. Uh, very different in the needs, but similar as far as we've got more than one generation living and occupying those houses. So why has this grown recently? Now, COVID-19 obviously was part of that. And it jumped quite a bit since the start of COVID. There was 11% of the population that wanted a multi-generational house compared to now 15% of the population buying a multi-generational house. And this was done by National Association of Realtors studies that found this. They've now found that in the last 12 months, ending in June of 2022, that uh, purchases of multi-generational homes made up 14% of all purchases. And so the question is, is this short-term or is this a long-term thing? And why? Well, it's been on the rise for a long time, according to this, the Pew Research that they did. They've said that since 1971, it's risen steadily and the idea of sort of the nuclear family, husband, wife, two kids, was starting to erode away into a different era of living. And that back then, less than 10% of people lived in that type of home, the multi-generational type of home. And now they believe it's closer to 18%. So nearly doubled um, since the 70s. Not really an incredible uh, amount, but it has increased. And the reasons why? Well, one of the main reasons they're citing is the cost of housing, the high prices, rising inflation, and the overall lack of supply of homes on the market. 
is contributing a lot to multi-generational housing. The other reason that it's on the rise, there's two other reasons. One is the um, the notion that we do have um, more immigrants in the United States now than we have in the past. In many other cultures, that is much more normal to have multiple generations living in a home. So that is also a reason for the rise because we've had a, a lot of immigration in the past couple of years. And so with that, they're going to have a different living style than many other people uh, that have lived here in the United States their whole life. And then I think the other reason for this is a little more interesting, might be more obscure, but I think a lot of this has to do with the production of housing and that you know we had the big housing boom in the early 2000s, dried up around 2007. And then we had a very long housing recession from 2007 to 2011, 2012, roughly, where we lost a lot of the workforce. So we did not produce the number of units of homes that we normally would. And so there's less supply. Again, that increases the price and increases um, the difficulty of people being able to obtain a house. So that's where the need for the multi-generational housing uh, is also coming from, is the lack of product that's out there. Now, to define a multi-generational house, there's kind of two different schools of thought on this. There's not really a standard definition. Some say just two generations living in a home, where others say three full generations living in a home. We're going to exclude anyone that has like a college-age student in it that hasn't ever left the home. But we would count someone that had a student that left for college and then came back to live at home. That would then be considered, again, a multi-generational once they've left and then came back. Likewise, any parents that move into a house or um, maybe a younger family that moves back into a parent's home, that would all be considered, you know, multi-generational home at that point. So the three standards to meet the multi-generational need for homes, there's really three things that need to be considered. Accessibility in the home, adaptability and then affordability. Those are really the three key factors that affect whether people need to live with the next generation in their home. And if the house doesn't meet those needs, it's probably not going to work well for the people that are trying to live together. Now, another interesting part of the study that was done recently suggests that by 2034, for the first time in U.S. history, there'll be more people over the age of 65 than under the age of 18. So we have this rising older population and they're not able to live maybe on their own anymore. Maybe they can't physically afford to do it or physically they need the help, maybe can't afford the health care um, or the, the long-term care facility. They're going to need to live at home. And so that's going to be a massive, massive shift in the demographics of our country. And we got to watch that because that's going to be very interesting. All right. So other factors for multi-generational housing are also going to be things like uh, access in, in the community. Are you close to public transportation? Are, do you have parking available? Are buses available? If you don't have some of these things, it's really not going to work. I mean, think of if you live in an area where you can only fit one car and you've got two or three generations in your home, more than likely you're going to have more than one car where you're going to park it. So that becomes a factor. 
or if you're living more in an urban environment, then you're going to need access to public transportation because, again, you may have family members working, you got someone at home, but maybe they need to go out and get something, they maybe can't drive anymore, um, they're going to need to have access to easy transportation, public transportation. So how do you design one of these homes? What do you really need to factor in to create a multi-generational home? Well, you're going to have your main dwelling, of course. And then typically what you're going to have is almost like a separate wing for the house. Now, this can be done in a variety of ways. This can be attached to the home. We've done a lot of these where we've put in what we call like an in-law suite where the um, there's a, like a little family room, kitchen, bedroom and a bathroom that's kind of attached off the garage so it has its own separate entry which is another huge factor in multi-generational homes is having separate entries separate space uh, also in that um, you could also have a third wing which could be for what they call the boomerang kids which are kids that left and then came back app name for it of course um, that they can either live in or rent out. And this could be a space that's built out over the garage. It could be uh, an outbuilding if a community will allow you to to put in a bedroom, bathroom, um, suite in an outbuilding that can also be done. Or it could be a finished lower level that's outfitted for a live-in house with maybe a small kitchen and, of course, bedroom, bathroom, that kind of thing. Other ways to do multi-generational houses could be just a, a simple duplex where you build the building, you keep one half, and the other family lives in the other half. So it's attached. You're still in the same building. Um, you're just a doorway away from helping your family member. That is another popular option for multi-generational housing. Another reason why we're seeing a growth in the multi-generational housing is that, again, with the aging population, there was a study done that said as of 2019, nearly 10 million adults 65 and older were what they call cost burdened for their home. That means that over half their income goes to housing. That's 10 million people that are cost burdened over the age of 65. So another reason why you're going to see this multi-generational housing. So let's talk for a moment because I think this is interesting too as far as the demographics are concerned with multi-generational housing. The median age of a first-time homebuyer has increased dramatically. Let's look at this. So in 1981, the median age of a homebuyer was 29 years old. In 2020, no, let's go to 2010. Okay, so we're going to jump ahead a few years. So 1981, first-time homebuyer is 29 years old. 2010, the median homebuyer age jumped up to 30. So it went up just one year, not too bad, right? But in 2020 now, it has jumped to 33. So we went, you know, three decades with only a one-year increase in age. And then all of a sudden, um, from 2010 to 2020, it went up three years. Now get this. This is really going to make you sick. 2020 to 2022, it went up another three years. The median age of a first-time homebuyer is now 36 years old. So that means... It's climbed six years uh, in just a short period of time. That's a huge affordability issue if there ever was one. So now 
the other thing is that 15% of that first-time buyer population purchased a multi-generational home. That's a pretty large percentage for a first-time home buyer to buy that type of home. Now let's look at a repeat buyer. So this is somebody that's owned a home now buying a second home or a third home. Uh, anyone that's a re repeat buyer. Let's look at the age of that. So in 2001, the average age of a repeat buyer was 41 years old. In 2010, it climbed up to 49 years old. So that one had a, a huge age increase much earlier. And in 2020, the, now the median age of a repeat buyer is 59 years old. So these younger buyers are waiting longer to buy their house and then they're staying in them a lot longer before they become a repeat buyer. So people are, are moving and selling a lot less than they did in the past. That's alarming when you think about that. And 14% of, of the median um, a repeat buyer, rather, is buying a multi-generational home. So a little bit smaller percentage there, but still, that's a pretty big population. That's definitely a huge factor in our housing market. So what are some of the reasons why people do the multi-generational housing besides the, the financial reasons? Family care is listed as number one on a recent study, then finances, and then actually to have a more positive mental health outlook, um, having other people in your family around you and with you, closer to your loved ones. Pretty interesting. Now, as far as the demographics of this, the other thing that's very interesting with the multi-generational housing is uh, how it's separated out. Nearly 25% of the people that live in multi-generational housing are either Asian, Black, or Hispanic. So there is a cultural factor that go, goes into that as well. So we've seen an increase in um, the net migration of those groups as well into their country, but we've also seen you know, that they're more apt to use that type of housing. So what does that mean? We're gonna need more of that type of housing in the future. So last, let's talk really briefly about some of the key elements that you're going to build into your design for your multi-generational housing. And these are all things you want to consider if you're going to build a home as you're working through the process. So number one consideration is separate entrances. And I think that's a big thing because, you know, while many people are okay with living with their family members, I'm not there yet, sorry. Uh, but if you are, you kind of want to have your own feeling of your own space, some privacy, some separation. So separate entry is certainly a number one consideration. The second thing is maybe even having a separate building. Again, that's where we talked earlier about the townhomes or utilizing a garage or utilizing a basement. Again, if you can have a walkout basement, separate entry, that also checks the box for you right there. But other factors that you got to consider are just overall privacy this can be done through a variety of ways. It can be done through the design of the home um, where there's doorways separating one section of the home to the other, that physical stopping point that could potentially be locked. Um, but also other privacy factors such as making sure in an office that you've got a French door or a sliding barn door for privacy. Maybe you're working, you don't want grandma and grandpa bothering you while you're at work or you know the kids maybe bothering grandma and grandpa being able to shut the door. Soundproofing also becomes a huge factor. The one that we're designing right now has all sorts of soundproofing built into it um, because the older son that's living at home plays the drums. 
hand practices and you know what mom doesn't want to listen to the drums all day so you got to soundproof that house or again for working you want to soundproof that room so if you're doing conference calls you don't have um, the kids running around or grandma and grandpa banging pots in the kitchen while you're trying to do a business call another factor for the multi-generational housing is also just creating common areas so the overall design may change where you have a larger family room than normal because now you have more people sitting in there and that's going to be your gathering point. You may have additional bedrooms as well and potentially also have bedrooms on the first floor that you wouldn't normally have. It doesn't necessarily have to be the master bedroom. It could be an auxiliary bedroom on the first floor. And we have several homes that we've been building over the years that have that. People love them because if you do need to bring in an elderly person, um, you've got a full bath and a bedroom right on the main level, very convenient. Um, when they're gone, um, you can convert that space back to an office. It's also great for those boomerang kids that come back. Um, they can live separate from you. Um, they're still on the first floor. Um, they can kind of come and go as they please. They're not next next to your bedroom and making noise at different hours of the day with their different schedule. And then, of course, you just got to factor on whether you need separate features like a separate living room, separate kitchen, or a separate home office uh, as you design these homes because those are also needs that can happen when you have more people living at home. You can't always share same workspace, um, may not want to share the kitchen and those kind of things. So there you have it, a new emerging area of housing, multi-generational housing helps with a lot of things. It helps with the lack of housing units out there. It helps with the affordability issue, and it helps with the aging population that needs additional care. So if you're not on this, you may want to pay attention to multi-generational housing. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Home Building Hero, broadcasting live from the Bellman Home Studio. If you haven't already, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future content. Until next time, I'm David Bellman, signing off.